into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. and turns out I got COVID. So we immediately threw the kitchen sink at it. All kinds of meds, monoclonal antibodies, uh, ivermectin, Z-Pak, uh, prednisone, everything. <laughs> That's Joe Rogan describing how he has COVID, which is the thing that is happening right now as we record this. It's very funny. You gotta, you gotta, I mean, come on. You gotta laugh. Joe Rogan has COVID. Yeah. It's very it funny. makes me wonder when he says we're throwing the kitchen th sink at it, everything. Does that include the vaccine that has been <laughs> Probably developed not. specifically for this? Or. Well, no. He probably is vaccinated because he's very rich. And yeah. most of the people that are profiting off of the, like, hysteria, the weird culture war thing about, like, vaccinations are low-key vaccinated because if you're rich you got the vaccination before all of this stuff fruited you know what i mean right, like right. so he's probably downplaying the fact that he's clearly like vaccinated but you can get he's probably got a breakthrough case like you can get covid right. even if you're vaccinated and uh the thing is it just doesn't kill you and it doesn't do anything and it also isn't around long enough to uh you know, to replicate and stuff like that. And it also, it's harder to get, which is crazy because, you know, I got into that Twitter beef with his fans the other, uh, a couple weeks ago because he has all these crazy anti-vaxxers and shit following him. And like <laughs> the science, the literally like the doc, the scientist he quoted on his show showed up in the Twitter argument. It was like, I am not saying the thing I'm he's saying. <laughs> like, you need to get vaccinated because I guess the way it was explained that I understand, and also, I'm just some fucking podcast dickhead. Like, don't listen to me either. Like, go listen to this fucking scientist. But it, the way that it, I understand it to work is that viruses, like, they they form like new variants because they're just constantly replicating. But what mm -hmm. anti-vaxxers think is that if you make a vaccine, then it gets stronger because it needs to overcome the vaccine. But that's not how they work. What, what they're doing is they're just constantly replicating, like no matter what, if there was no vaccine, they would be constantly replicating. And if there's enough opportunity for it to replicate, then it's going to turn into these variants and stuff. So the vaccine actually works against the replication because it gives it less space and time with which to like to exist in people and replicate and then transmit itself and stuff like that because it dies when it's in a vaccinated person but but the other thing sounds really sexy you know like oh yeah it's you know it's a juicy contrarian take like oh we're actually making it stronger like it's a sci-fi movie you know right so or that yeah there's another study that was going around that supposedly claimed that it better than getting the vaccine is getting COVID. So that's what you should do. <laughs> that was like week one. We were doing the herd immunity. They tried that in fucking Europe. Yeah. It didn't work. But, yeah. But in that case as well, the study was like, 
it's probably best to get the vaccine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they all say that is the thing. Yeah, yeah. And then they just go, like, consp- conspiracy theorists just go, no, that part's not real. They they have to say that. But what they're really trying to say is this other thing. It's like, who speaks to you in these half-truths like that? Like, why would they, why would they publish something that's, like, winking like that in that specific way? for any like the only reasoning you have to prove that is that you just made it up and you imagined it and mm. it matches with your weird thing hello everyone welcome to pod damn america the gothic socialist podcast for vaccinated creepy crawlies <laughs> i'm jake flores and uh, Anders lee is here um, Anders lee here i will not uh comment on whether or not i'm vaccinated controversial oh i guess it's not controversial it's hippo are you a doctor uh, no, but you can't ask my doctor. That's what that means. <laughs> okay, so this is like a, like a weird, like, uh, pleading the fifth type of thing. <laughs> yeah. Cannot confirm or deny. Okay. Right. Well, if I had to yeah. guess, I'd say you, you seem like a Johnson Johnson guy to me, but I'll never know. Actually, actually, Moderna man. Oh. Yeah. Well, I let that slip pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah wow, you're really bad at this. There was a time in my life where <laughs> I don't know if I should get into, but I was unvaccinated for different vaccines before, oh. way before COVID. Um, <laughs> right. Forgot about that whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> but I am now. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there. I see. I think like it's totally fair game to ask questions about what's in the vaccine, what's big pharma doing um other vaccines as well you know that I, I this is a huge can of worms but like when people are like does do vaccines cause autism well clearly not because every study shows that they don't and they're like yeah there are those studies but there's also not a clear definition of autism it's not a chemical thing so whether or not some reaction from some vaccine has you know some effect on somebody's chemistry that makes them behave you know has a a symptom that is construed as autism is i think impossible to to say but you should still get vaccinated i think it's it's not worth the uh not worth the risk i guess Uh, for me it's like if we're even going to go down that rabbit hole of like questioning whether things that you put in your body can affect you permanently the vaccine is the least of my worries so i've done so many drugs and mm-hmm. eaten so many things, you know, I'm like, if this is a thing, like, well, then I am not the person that God intended me to be at all. Like, I am way far away from that at this point. So I fucking who cares if the vaccine is going to make me a, a, a microscopic ounce weirder than I was. <laughs> but it's probably not going to because I don't think that's how vaccines work. I'm an right. adult. But also, OK, people aren't saying that about this one yet. But. Um, yeah, my arm hurt and I got a headache. That was it. It's months later. I feel fine. I feel okay, great, man. I watched but, Netflix. Like sometimes I kind of like to get sick. I'm like, oh right. Yeah, I don't it, have to I do felt anything like high tonight. When I got it. <laughs> yeah. Do you feel that? Like you're high in a way. Yeah. It's like, probably just psychological. Just a nice slow, low pressure, folks. We got uh, COVID here at the. Uh, Pete Pod Damn America Studios. We threw everything at it. Ivermectin, <laughs> Alpha Brain, Ayahuasca, DMT, Blue Chew, Casper Mattresses, Bet DSI, 
marijuana, bitcoins, uh, the Ron White tequila, MailChimp, uh, HGH, tea. I'm taking tea because I got COVID. Ridge Wallet, CBD. Do you get the bit I'm doing here? Okay. Um, please sponsor us if you're one of those things. What if we got sponsored by Ivermectin? That'd be fun. I was on tour for two weeks and like I was so busy and I didn't really have like the time to look at the internet and stuff and read the news and get on Twitter and stuff like that, which is nice. It's nice to have a vacation for that sort of stuff. But if you ever do that in the modern world and then you like dip back in, it's insane. It's like watching a TV show that you missed a season of and now everyone's talking about horse dewormer and yeah. shit. And you're like, when the fuck did this happen, dude? It's so good. I've been caught up now and I think it's so funny that people are taking horse parasite like dewormer and then, you know, doing it out of patriotism or whatever and fuck you, Dr. Fauci. I'm going to take parasite drugs for right. horses shitting out their stomach lining and stuff yeah we're at a point where it's like it's been going on long enough that like we have to people need to be contrarians about it um because people are sick of it well, that's fair but some of the arguments out there just like um there are glenn greenwald wrote a, a piece about how um that there's this maximalism where we refuse to uh take into account that yes some people will die when we do things like send our kids back to school. And therefore, um, kids, it's worth the risk for kids to go back to school because, yes, they might buy a COVID, but they also might die in a car crash on their way to school. And it's just like it, the, the thrust of his argument is, is that there are people saying we have to do absolutely everything possible at all times to avoid COVID uh, and if that were the case, then we would like nobody would be going outside still. Like we would still be in like severe lockdown, and like p clearly people were making trade offs, right? Yeah. It's just that <laughs> he's getting this. And uh, Eric Levitz wrote a piece, and you know, don't agree with everything he says about everything. Uh, but he wrote a piece saying like that <clears throat> the only people who are really saying this are people Glenn Greenwald is arguing with on Twitter, and. And it the yeah. doubles up into this is a a uh, mainstream opinion that that we should have no cost benefit analysis when it comes to COVID. Yeah, I mean a big like symptom of being online too much is that you present things like that that are common in your in your internet experience as common in reality, which. Right. I'm not like a oh, online isn't real type person, but it's different. It's being presented at a different scale, and it's catered to you. So you're walking around going, everyone's making these maximalist arguments, and it's like, no, you're addicted to your cell phone, Glenn. Right. That's just all that's happening there, you know. Which I am, too, in all fairness. Oh, hell yeah, me too, but I'm yeah. aware of it, right. <laughs> you know? And I'm not also not a fucking journalist on the level of Glenn Greenwald. Just making this I am, podcast. But, well, I guess you are, aren't you? Uh, nah, <laughs> kind of. I am technically a, a TV writer. You're a that real gives me journalist. A decent amount of clout. Somebody out of this show went on to do something great. You're up there. I wouldn't consider myself a journalist, but that's only to avoid responsibility. That's true. Not a journalist and not necessarily vaccinated, Andrew Lee. Yeah. Okay. I follow you. 
Um, <laughs> well, anyway, it's very funny that Joe Rogan has COVID. He's maybe the most medicated, uh, exercised human on Earth, so he'll probably be fine, but it'd be, who knows what could happen. <laughs> Um, he, he said monocloidal, whatever the fuck. The thing that he said monoclonal, that's I, that's Regeneron. That's what Trump had. Oh, <laughs> yeah. nice. So he's like taking that in a DMT tank somewhere right now and like trying to sweat out the COVID. That's <laughs> really Do cool. Do you think that uh, Regeneron contributed to Trump's idea um, to do the Superman shirt thing? Yes. He was crazy after he recovered from COVID. And that was when he was doing the Macho Man dance and shit. And he right. was like on a level that was completely. As someone with some mental issues, I can identify a manic swing in other people pretty easily. I know what it looks like. And when he was insisting on driving around in the back of that fucking truck, waving at people and shit. I think he was like, he was one good push from cutting his own hair. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, like coming out just being like, I got bangs. Do you like them? You know, I did them yeah. myself and they're like, they look horrible. And you're like, yeah, Donald, you're going to be all right, buddy. It's kind of like how, you know, how astronauts often will have like mental health problems when they get back to earth just because like it's so much to comprehend yeah uh being in space like that's kind of it's kind of a similar thing i think for presidential candidates like if you're at a mate if you're at like a presidential nominee and you become president that must be insane that must fuck with your head so much uh but also just like losing like that like if you look at michael dukakis today he has terrible posture and it's i i th my theory is that it's from the phenomenon of losing a national election is like hunched over now. Yeah, probably. I mean, there's also that thing with like, yeah, Eddie, every president, they do the before and after photo and they're all like right. gray and shit afterwards. Mm -hmm. They'll go all half dead and stuff. <laughs> it's all real. Um, but well, so this is fun though. What if, if Rogan is taking Regeneron, does that mean he's going to have a manic Monday next week? When he's recovered from COVID, but he's full of, like, stem cells and whatever the fuck's in that shit. What does Manic Rogan sound like? Because he's actually a very subdued person, you right. know? But he's, like, yeah. jacked. I mean, he, he could. He's going to fight somebody? Or is he just going to be like, yeah, Jamie. Wow, that's so fucking interesting. Like, in the next interview he does. Maybe. I think I've seen him mad before. Um, Maybe he'll, like, want to beat up Mencia now. That'd be cool. Just verbally assaulting him. Yeah, we should, uh, we should try to, I bet we could, like, provoke that into happening, you know? Put some voices yeah. in some ears, but hey. What is Mencia doing now? What's he up to, huh? <laughs> Mencia is, um, I've heard he's done a few podcasts lately, and, like, I, I, don't, I don't listen much to it, but somebody, somebody brought up a really interesting point about him a while back, which I think is probably something fun to throw into the Rogan sphere, which is that Rogan canceled Carlos Mencia. <laughs> like, all these right. people that are, like, suddenly up in arms about this cancel culture thing, where they, textbook, 
did it to the guy to this guy years ago before they had come up with this language or whatever uh-huh. and it was totally okay and it was for stealing a joke which is way less offensive than like all this well, sexual like assault and shit sure i mean sure but like that's stealing a million jokes is not as bad as like sexual assault one yeah. time you know what i mean so oh, for sure, yeah. the, the standard that they have now where they're like you know, give Chris D'Elia a break or whatever. It's like <laughs> insane juxtaposed with this thing where they like booed a man out of Hollywood <laughs> for being right. a hacky comedian or whatever, which, you know, of course I'm not doing no fucking Glenn Greenwald comedy contrarian thing here. I'm not defending Carlos Mencia. He's a terrible fucking comic. And by all accounts, I've heard an asshole and, uh, and a joke thief. Like he's a bad artist. So I mean, fuck mm. that. But it is very funny. Like he, I think he's been talking about. It. He's been saying they canceled me, which is like, hey, good point, dude. Kind of. Does he still maintain that he didn't steal his jokes, even though it's like just objectively true? I don't know. We should get him on the show. I bet he would do it. Yeah, he's oh. washed up. <laughs> Subscribe to our Patreon. We will have yeah. Mr. Mencia, the mind of Mencia. Yeah. Pay well. Well, I mean, you know what is not. Um, mind of men's fuck i don't know how to do this i don't know how you do this uh you know what's not you know what i am not joe rogan experiencing um <laughs> no i have no idea how to say you know who um is getting canceled you know who republicans <laughs> also think are getting canceled too often is the unborn yeah i don't even have a chance to uh make their case Oh, man, this is fucked up. You know what, though? It's going to be a fucked up episode. All the trigger warnings, by the way, for our interview with our friend James Grunman for the band Nephrectomy, because (laughs) we're talking about edgelord shit, and we're doing edgelord comedy this week, so if you're one of our uh, listeners that came from the other end of the spectrum here, uh, who, you know, is is, is, um, averse to gross and offensive jokes skip this episode because it's gonna get gross and that we are comedians we discuss that at length in the episode but uh, i do believe in trigger warnings because i think they get me the artist off the hook so warning <laughs> we're gonna talk about some fucked up shit uh but first the reality this is not a joke uh also very disturbing of what's happening in texas right now my home state makes me very sad breaks my heart there's a bill called sb8 that just passed it's been in the Senate for a while, and it kind of didn't seem like it was going to go through at one point, and then it, so, I mean, they got it through. It's a really gruesome bill, uh, but it's nothing new. I mean, they've been trying to effectively outlaw abortion in Texas for as long as I've lived there. And mm. when I say effectively, it's like, yeah, we're not really overturning Roe versus Wade yet, but um, there are just these things they do where they make laws to where, you know... There can only be three Planned Parenthoods in the whole state, and, you know, you have to drive eight hours, and you don't have the money to get there, and et cetera, et cetera, right? Well, the new one they finally passed is a heartbeat bill, which means that you can't get an abortion after six weeks because, and this is junk science, but this is the argument, is that there's a heartbeat after six weeks of a pregnancy, which is weird because there isn't a heart yet, but there's just some kind of fucking pulse that they've decided means life. And, so uh, it's like the the RFK assassination tapes, or like different <laughs> sound experts arguing over, like, no, it was a heartbeat. No, it was a pulse. It was 13 heartbeats, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't have come out of this heart. I don't know. Um, so 
basically, this is effective, effectively outlawing abortion because nobody knows they're pregnant six weeks into a pregnancy. It takes four weeks to even know that you missed a period or something like that. And then, you know, there's just like razor thin window where you might fucking not know. Right. And that's the whole point of it. But what's crazy about this bill on top of this is that <laughs> they also included this rule in it and no one's done it yet. So no one knows if this is even effectively going to be a thing, but there's this thing called a bounty that you're allowed to cash in on like, uh, if you know anyone who is performing illegal abortions or, you know, anything relatedly in healthcare, the law is like anyone can take up vigilante justice and become a bounty hunter and just go find who they think is doing abortions. And then you win like $10,000 or something like that. Like you can sue them or something like that. It's stupid. It's the language of bounty hunters to make it all Texas and fun, but it's essentially anyone's free to sue anyone over this thing. And like, no one knows how it's going to play out because that is an insane law that I don't even know if there's a precedent for this sort of thing in like America. Um, but we'll see worst cowboy bebop episode ever, in my opinion. Um, it's a show about <laughs> bounty hunters. Uh, anyway, uh, it's really fucked up, and I, I don't know. I don't know how I don't fucking, I'm going to link to every fucking thing. There's a fund that someone linked me to, I'll put it in the show notes, that literally just splits your money between the fucking ten different organizations who need all this stuff, and I think that's mm. uh, probably a pretty good way to go about this. But, um, yeah, I'm going to link as everything I can, but I... I am one comedian. I don't know enough to fix this problem, <laughs> but I'm going to fucking try to help. It's really sad though, man. I really, it really breaks my heart because I love Texas and there is this culture of like, I'm a cowboy. You don't tell me what the fuck to do that melds really well with a healthy distrust of the state and, you know, with anarchist principles and things like that. But there's, the reality of Texas to me that's so heartbreaking is like that only exists for the rich, you know, mm -hmm. really te Texas is so fucking stupid because it's, it's got this like culture of personal freedom. Every advertisement is like, yeah, it's the desert. You can do whatever you want, but it's like, it's one of those psychological funhouse mirror things where it's, no, it's like fucking China over there. Like, you can't do anything. You can't have sex. You can't fucking, you know, you can't, when we were on tour down there, you couldn't even fucking check Vax cards in your own business because right. you would be busted up by the Texas Alcohol and Beverage uh, Commission. So, freedom for who, right? I mean, it fucking sucks. It's, it's yeah, oddly authoritarian. And I think that the Texans think... Not, not all Texans, but the people who think this about a place like Texas and about red states think that they're free because maybe their their philosophy works in a way that that focuses on being free from a specific type of like government like tyranny or whatever. They use the word tyranny a lot, mm -hmm. but your like the government is completely influenced by capital, so you're living under the tyranny of capital. But you also live under the fucking government because you have all these, like, cops and shit everywhere and all these, like, archaic draconian abortion laws and stuff. It's disgusting. I hate it. Yeah. Well, that's, a, you know, Roe v. Wade um, provides 
so that in theory everyone has a right to an abortion, but there's a difference between theory and practice, right? Yeah. Um, what do you remember the secession movement in 2009 when it was Rick Perry, who was governor at the time, wanted <laughs> yeah. to secede? Yeah, but I mean, real talk, that happens like every other year there. It just doesn't always make the news. <laughs> like, it's this huge idea that everyone always fucking thinks is like. You know, something that it's somewhere down the fucking pike, like, because there is, you know, a law and Texas used to be its own country and shit. And mm-hmm. like, there's always this thing hanging in the air of like, what if we did it? But it'll never fucking happen. Yeah. Yeah. As uh, listeners to our David Dinkins episode know, Staten Island, the reason Giuliani won in 93 is because Staten Island was voting to secede from New York City, <laughs> and it won. And Giuliani rode the, the coattails of that, you know, referendum or whatever. Uh, but then the assembly was just like, "Nah, we're not going to do that." I forgot about that. So what was Staten Island going to be like? Its own state or something? No, just secede from New York City. Yeah, but then what is it after that? It's just its own city. Oh, it's its own city. Okay, that yeah, makes yeah. sense. That would have been cool. <laughs> it would have been nice because then we could just never think about Staten Island. We'd probably be fine. Right. It would just be part of New Jersey. Yes. Apologies to my family members there. Ah, <laughs> uh, come on. Your town's a punchline. You have to, you have to <laughs> roll with that shit, man. That's what it's They're like, like actually, pra- like they have like Staten Island sweatshirts and stuff. And it's, I kind of respect it. They shouldn't be proud. That's a hilarious. <laughs> Every time I think about Staten Island in my head, I'm like, it's all cops. It's just a city that's a cop city. It's co- cops, firefighters, and sanitation workers. That's and pretty cool. Families, firefighters. Respect to trash people. That's very cool. <laughs> Good union job, I hear. Um, man, you know, speaking of unions, I was I'm thinking about moving to Nevada someday when I'm old because um, they have a culinary union out there. And it's, like, the only one in the country that operates at a functioning level at all. And I was talking to this bartender about it, and he was telling me, like, yeah, you can be a bartender in, like, Las Vegas, and you make, like, 20 bucks an hour, like, across the, like, flat base pay and tips, and you also have all these fucking benefits and stuff. But it's, like, a, it's because it's a union thing, it's, like, a real job, so you have to, like, it takes, like, years to get into, and then you also Mm -hmm. have to treat it like a fucking job and yeah. you don't have the flexibility of being like a an off the books paid bartender who can switch shifts out and shit all the time and stuff but it, like for an old person you know like when i'm dying i think i'm gonna <laughs> could be like an old bartender in vegas and uh the other thing that's great about it is uh and all that stuff happened by the way i guess the way this guy was explaining it is because it was set up during the old mob days right so you mm-hmm. would need if you were in the mob you need oh, my cousin tony needs a straight job to you know well make it look like he's making money or whatever. Yeah. And then the unions kind of took the thing away when the mob crumbled and shit. But, um, that shit was really interesting. I kind of wanted to like research that just from being out there and maybe do an episode about it or something. But, um, but the other reason I think it would be a great job is because, uh, apparently in Las Vegas, you do not need to know how to be a bartender to work as a bartender. And I know that cause I was out there for four days and like nobody knew how to make anything, which, you know, it's maybe on us for being annoying bar people. But me and me and Avery Moore have a, a she has a running thing she does called Dac Attacks, where you order a daiquiri and then you just drink it like a shot. And that's nice. the entire bit. It's really stupid. We were trying to do Dac Attacks, but they kept serving them to us wrong and shit. And uh, and then at one point, I was we were fucking 
playing video poker and chain smoking and this giant good old boy blowhard psycho came out of the strip club in the casino came up next to us informed us that he had lost ten thousand dollars in the strip club somehow and then just started buying drinks wildly and saying the n-word and there were black people around and it was mega uncomfortable so it was one of those social situations where you just hold on as long as possible and get as many free drinks and then run for your life <laughs> but, <laughs> but suffice it to say the reason i'm telling you the story is because he kept ordering vegas bombs the bartender in las vegas didn't know how to make a vegas bomb Wait, what is a vegas bomb uh, I fucking, I don't even remember. It's got, like, Red Bull and, like, Cranberry and some other fucking bullshit in it. But the point being, it's Ugh. a shot. And they were giving it to us, like, a, with a glass of ice. And we were, like, having to suck them down instead of, like, doing a shot. Which was <laughs> kind of the point of, you know, there's, there's a rhythm yeah. to doing shots. It's fun. You toast and you all do them all at once or whatever. So we're just right. sucking them down as hard as possible. Like, yeah, cheers. <laughs> um... 20 bucks an hour don't know how to don't need to know how to make the drink that the town is famous for sounds like a great job wow, that's just indeed yeah i man i'm surprised at how many bartenders do not know what a dark and stormy is yeah and i don't yeah, like i'm it's i'm not a fancy like i'm not i don't ever like order a manhattan or anything but when I do drink, which is not very often, but a bar dark is just like literally two things. But people are always like, act, look at me like I'm, you know, speaking French. It's a one in one. I mean, we could definitely get into this on a thank you for your service <laughs> episode at some point. But it is, it's, it's why it doesn't make any sense the the job of bartending anymore because like, it's. It's basically you're just a waiter behind a bar for most people, especially if they're at a restaurant, and then you have to know how to make the specialty cocktails that are on that menu. Nobody has an education in it anymore where you know how to make every drink because yeah. it largely isn't required. And also like it's a low level job. So like, what's the point? I like it. Like I fucking find it interesting. So I know all that shit there, especially when I was working as one, mm -hmm. but um, it's more like, the answer to that question is almost like, why would these people <laughs> like, you know, they're just getting paid basically to ring in stupid orders and then every once in a while make like a margarita. And so the culture yeah. of the thing is gone and it's kind of lost in this way. There's right. bartending school, but the, all that shit's they just teach you everything wrong. Yeah, that there's in New York, there are when you apply to any bar or restaurant that has a bar they will say like if you went to bartending school do not apply yeah because you have to unteach people from bartending right. school and then teach them how to attend bar yeah no there's only it's weird there's like a like there are people like me and avery that are like lifers where we're like you can hire me i can run your entire shit i know it as a skill as like a trade like i don't need to look up anything in a book I have fundamentals. I know the ratios of things. I can make up a drink off the dome, but like, mm -hmm. that's like a dying thing for whatever reason. Like, it's not really that useful. Most bars are just these shitty small businesses where they just want to pay someone nothing and they don't care. You know, they usually hire you based on the way you look or something like that. And they're like, if you can do the bare minimum, I don't really care. Just turn the fucking register over at night and give me the money, you know? Yeah. Yeah, the thing that always appealed to me about it is you don't have to be nice to customers, usually, but then I've seen, you know, many bartenders who, like, it's like, it's like they're obligated to be someone's best friend, you know? Or it's like two, there's like the, the lead bartender and then the, the other one, and the, uh, 
lead or whatever has to be everybody's best friend and let people whine to them about whatever for hours. It's weird. Sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Like, if you're making... Well, the thing is, if you're making money off of people, you are a stripper. You're basically a stripper. Like, they are paying you to pretend to be a a thing that you're not. Mm -hmm. To, like, embody, like, a, a human connection... And you might even make friends with people through this process, but at the vi- when it starts, it's literally them paying you, and then you going, "Wow, that's a really sad story, man. Let me buy you a shot." When you say "buy you a shot," you mean pour it for free, and then the guy gives you money, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's like that. I think that honestly, if you watched a bartender long enough, you would see them turn on a dime, where they're doing what you're describing with the people that they're making money off of. And then right. they turn immediately when it becomes a situation where someone's annoying and they're not paying them any money or the yeah. threshold has been crossed of you are more annoying than money I'm making. And then that's when the <laughs> fucking baseball bat comes out. and You get the fuck out of here. I'll kill you, which is a part of the job. I enjoyed a lot. <laughs> you <laughs> you just, anyone? No, I used to have this fucking regular. I think I've told this story before, so I'll make it quick. But like I used to have this regular who would get drunk, throw a bunch of money at me loved to just pay way too much i made a shit ton of money off of him but we both knew the deal eventually he got too drunk people started showing up you know he he was alone in the bar when this starts every day people start showing up i go i gotta throw you out if you start acting crazy he starts acting crazy i'd put my arm around his neck drag him out of the bar like a fucking cartoon drag him down the street make a big deal out of it get the fuck out of here and then we get about a block away. We look at each other. We both start laughing, and we go, "See you tomorrow." <laughs> we're gonna do the whole thing all over again tomorrow, you know. Damn. Yeah. Wow. It was funny. It's a good time. But um, I don't. Mm, I don't know. I'll rack my brain, and we'll do another service industry episode, and maybe I'll remember if I ever got into too serious of a fight. But off the top of my head, nothing too bad. Um. Well, let's uh. Let's get on with it, huh? Let's talk to our pal James Grunman, who is a really cool guy. He's a metal musician, and he is in, as I said, a trigger warning and all the stuff, an overtly over-the-top, you know, offensive and gross uh, project or two, and um, is a leftist and is a cool guy and incorporates, you know, uh, anti-capitalism into the music he makes and stuff and has some new stuff coming out that we wanted to talk about. As well as, uh, you know, about the the politics of the fans and reactionary stuff and all that good shit. It's ripe for, I think, what we're talking about here on the show. Oh, yeah.
Okay, we are now talking to uh, founder and vocalist of the metal band Nephrectomy, James Grundman, and hey. guitarist and producer Tyler Boyce. Did I get it? <laughs> yeah, you got it, man. That's <laughs> right on, dude. All right. What's up, guys? Not much. What's up, y'all? How's it going? Still in Denver, James? Yeah, it's fucking nice out here. Just another beautiful day in one of the drug capitals of the world. We both work at uh, the same head shop, Purple Greens, located off Colfax and Wadsworth. Come visit us for some of Rocky Mountain's nicest kratom. And uh, also nice. you could get fucked up on whippets. <laughs> oh yeah, we got fucking amazing kratom, man. $5 an ounce, $100 kilos. We uh, mail it Whoa. too, so. Really? Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, unless you're in a state where it's illegal, don't try and get me on that bullshit. But yeah, hundred dollar kilos. So, and uh, mention this show, and uh, I'll give you a five percent discount. Cool, thank you. I like it. You're welcome. Forward to it. Dis- use discount. Yeah, that's purple greens. Crazy purple Andy. greens. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Pr- discount code come farting uh, <laughs> coprophiliac. Yeah. That's spelled with uh, she. <laughs> yeah, crazy don't, like you don't know how to spell it. <laughs> the cocra, the cum farting I do, but maybe not the last one. I'm in Vegas right now, and I can't, we were drunk as fuck walking around the strip the other night, uh, laughing at the David Copperfield sign, doing the bit David Copperophilia, and it's all these tricks. <laughs> <Yeah. around. laughs> he just comes out and he eats shit, and he's like, ta-da. <laughs> It's like, wow. it's like, watch me make shit disappear for 24 hours. Yeah. I'll eat shit and fart cum. <laughs> oh, man. You got, you got poppers oh, in that shop? Uh, wait. Oh, yeah, yeah. We do poppers constantly. Nice. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, sometimes we drink mouthwash at work. Um, <laughs> Sometimes what happens when just... you do that? Because I'm conditioned to not drink it, but I was wondering, what would happen if I just swallowed? So, honestly, <laughs> it, it it gets a bad rep. Um, okay. It's, it tastes nice. It will get you drunk. There's just a little thing. Uh, I forget what it is in it. Um, it's really bad for you, but it, it'll make you feel a little nauseous afterwards. But mouthwash is a pretty nice drunk. Um, if you're really broke and... Uh, a terrible alcoholic, I'd recommend it, you know. Um, Would you recommend mixing it with Kratom? Ooh, um, <laughs> that's definitely not absolutely. <laughs> but I would absolutely uh, recommend it. Yeah, I don't All know right. if I'd t- Kratom is what you take when you need to stop drinking the mouthwash. That's when you're better in your life, you know? <laughs> no, I think we're on Conversely, though, you usually could you need some mouthwash after you drink kratom so yeah it, it tastes like dirt here's what i think i'm from houston where rappers would drink purple drink just like lean and codeine and sprite and cough syrup like and syrup? Like that. Yeah. yeah so what we're on to is inventing an entirely new subculture that revolves around green drink which is kratom <laughs> and mouthwash <laughs> kratom and mouthwash. i like yeah, it yeah, <laughs> that's the drink of fucking slam right there. Bro. Yeah, mouthwash and kratom. You drink if, it. If somebody shows up to our show and drinks that, I will give you <laughs> fucking a signed CD and a signed T-shirt, and I'll even let you see my dick. It's pretty nice. 
I'll, we we've just caused if you like. we've just caused at least ten future deaths. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. what I was going to say is, you drive around listening to this podcast instead of screw music. You just listen to it. maybe no. You know what? Maybe Podcasts. we we slow down podcasts so they sound like screw, and then it's just like <laughs> Sam Cedar like or whatever. <laughs> just blasting it. In your booty. M- M- majority, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, Jordan Peterson's gay. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyways, uh, we're going to talk about music. Yeah, you got new stuff coming out. You got re-releases and shit like that. Tell me about it. Tell me about your band. Yes, sir. So, uh, Nephrectomy originally started as uh, the band named Twat Rot in 2008. <laughs> <laughs> the first uh, demo was recorded on a $20 Radio Shack mic. Um, and I, with Fruity Loops, and I did the vocals and the guitar on a $100 BC Rich, and it's pretty classic. You can actually hear it on, um, our Rarities album called Rarities of of Fetishism that came out around 2016 or 2017. Um, but after that, um, turned into around 2012. Um, basically at that point I had been, I had done vocals in a lot of bands like, uh, Expurgate was really successful. We had an album on comatose music. Um, I did vocals in a band called Dragging Entrails, which was pretty huge. Um, there was a collaboration with one of the biggest guys in slamming brutal death metal cranium. Um, and then I also had an album, uh, with a band called intracranial butchery. So with nephrectomy, I wanted to show that I was more than just a making puke noises guy. So I wrote and recorded an album, and that was Geriatric Coprophilia, one of the most poop-covered, old-people-covered album covers um, in history. Yeah. And, uh, I saw the... What did you, you guys think of it? I saw the <laughs> album cover on Instagram the other day when you posted about the repost, and I, like... Like, showed it to other people in the car, like, as I was, like, reading it, because it was that. You know, it's 2021. It takes a lot to shock people. I was like, wow, this might be the grossest album cover I've ever seen. It was cool. (laughs) Thank you. You know, I genuinely think that uh, that gross album art is more of the reason that we have a career as a band uh, than my music. Um, <laughs> I'm not the greatest writer. I've gotten better over time, but, um, uh, yeah, let's just say not a whole lot of music theory going on in those doo-doo riffs, but <laughs> yeah, there's no Coltrane, uh, scales and pentatonic. I mean, yeah, there's some pentatonic doo-doo going out that ass. <laughs> Where do you think but, the, uh, scatological theme comes from? Um, so I just wanted to think of the grossest thing I could possibly think of, which, you know, I mean, everybody recalls the classic two girls, one cup, which by the way, that was fake. That's soft serve. Stop being a baby. If you can't eat soft serve out of a beautiful woman's rectum, you are not body positive. That actually um, makes and it sound kind of nice. 
Yeah, yeah, you're you're against progress if you won't eat soft serve out of a beautiful woman's butt. I uh, would not do it, and, but that's yeah. be- only because I'm lactose intolerant. <laughs> and then uh eat so, slow, yo. Then other than that, I was like, okay, so doo-doo's yucky. Um and then you know what else is yucky? Old people doing the nasty. So I mixed the two, and it's old people doing the doo-doo nasty, and uh there you go. Sure. Um but like okay, so you know what this is <laughs> making me think about is like uh anal cunt, like that band whose kind of thing was pushing the edge and having these insane album covers that were just really really fucked up like there's a famous one of the guy getting his dick sucked while shooting up heroin and he's all gross and he looks like carl from aqua teen hunger force and shit (laughs) Uh, i I literally have an anal cunt patch on my vest right now and uh basically anal cunt kind of describes uh my life trajectory all through high school i basically wanted to be seth putnam from anal cunt like it was like you know hard drugs extreme music and and i did do all that i i've i've had um 12 you know internationally released albums and you know i'm known for my music but i just can't seem to die from overdosing so <laughs> um now i'm just turning 30 this year uh, i'm on outmate status uh and uh yeah i can't drive for the foreseeable future um, you know, it's, uh, the, the rock and roll lifestyle is, um, not that appealing when you don't die. Let's put it that way. But, okay, here's the twist, though. You're like a lefty. Like, I know you from the majority report and shit like that, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because for a lot of people, this aesthetic stuff of, like, you know having the fucking sense of humor like this is it overlaps with being like a free speech dork and being a a hack artist and being really pissed off at the this business that you work in for that reason and thus becoming a little entrepreneurial dickhead type and getting into like mises and fucking libertarian bullshit <laughs> so there are exactly. a lot of people Mises more like feces. Yeah, there you go. The feces institute. Let's start it. Yum yum. <laughs> but like, so then the other half of the coin is that a lot of people are really have really good politics, but then they are, you know, they're they're like kind of uh, squeamish about this type of humor and art and stuff like that. And very few people are able to square the circle, right? Because like, even people that do kind of do the dirtbag left thing and go like, I'm gonna have a good sense of humor and have extreme politics still kind of like i think it doesn't always like work because they're then they they like i don't know i've got a million examples off the dome that i wouldn't even dive into but it's i know people that have like tried it and then still get obsessed with cancel culture and stuff like that and kind of go down the green walled you know rabbit hole of uh becoming a third insane thing but you're doing it yeah you're a cool guy who's gross and has good politics it can be done it's a so it, it's it's a hard thing to attempt by so by our third full length album, um, I especially it was around 2016 when we were writing recording it, and just with everything going on, I wanted to try and make a statement. So I named the, the album "No Lives Matter," and yes, I came up with that name before Ice T did. <laughs> Fucking like I have proof of it. And if he did get it from me, I think that's fucking awesome. Ice-T rules. No hate at all. But uh, 
Anyways, pro tip. So that was my plan, you know, but it was received poorly because a lot of the reactionary racist type shitheads thought by No Lives Matter, instead of, you know, what I meant by it, which is, you know, under capitalism, No Lives Matter, fucking white, black, Chinese, whatever. Uh, if you don't have money, fucking, you're worthless. I've grown up a, a poor white guy my whole life, and I've been almost been murdered by the police multiple times. You know, it's, uh, if you don't have capital, you are worthless in this society. But a lot of people just thought that by, by me saying no lives matter, I was saying, hell yeah, brother, <laughs> a middle version of all lives matter. Right. So I, I, I had to tell off a lot of um, racists after that album. They but thought you were doing this thing that upcoming, hack comedians huh? do. A lot of hack comedians Exi do this thing where they say, like, I hate everyone equally. And it's like, well, it's, <laughs> still doesn't kind of work I, that way. It, I remember people saying that, like, in fifth grade and it being edgy, like, I'm not racist. I hate everybody. And then you have, like, a coworker that says that. And it's like, bro, you're 36, you <laughs> fucking idiot. <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh,. So anyways, I'm still trying to, and then also that album, I feel like it got a little, you know, we're, we're gory. We're kind of like, I love like kitschy gore shit, like Evil Dead and whatnot. So I, I feel like the artwork for No Lives Matter steered a little too far away from what we meant to do. So with this album, Meat, um, there's meaning to it, but it's also incredibly gory. Uh, the cover is going to be, um, a dude butt fucking a corpse while smoking meth. <laughs> um, and uh, let me read you the uh, lyrics to the title track. You, you should I, be I careful though with that because that guy, thirty years from now, might end up suing you if you use <laughs> the picture. And well, you know, I was just going to now, now we have to add. Now we have to have a kratom and uh, mouthwash fucking drink in his hand too. Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's something uh, we gotta add to the album cover now. <laughs> but uh, here, here's the uh, so lyrics to the title track, which I, I feel like I'm sneaking in a little politics. So the song's called "Me," replacing activism with snarky Twitter fingers, blinded by blinded by narcissism, no thought, misguided vision. All hail Google and Disney, leaders of the resistance. You must buy movie tickets to prove you're not a racist. Consume it's your existence. Consume it's your existence. Don't think, don't even listen. Buy or face the consequences. Nothing but fucking meat. No longer even human. Hollow, we sold our spirit. Brands are the new religion. Life devoid of all meaning. Nothing but meat. So. Fucking yeah. sick, dude. I love it. Thank though. you. So, I'm tr I think we're going to balance it pretty well. And but, so. Keep, uh, keep the dum-dums happy while at the same time maybe getting them to critique capital a little bit you know here's my question do you think you have dum-dums in your audience and do you think that they're going to be like like do you think you have re reactionary shitheads who are like brought in by the aesthetic and then they're going to hear the lyrics and then slowly realize what you're talking about isn't that the goal with some of this shit you know i've actually yeah especially some younger ones they're uh cuz i i always like like, man, I, <laughs> I'm kind of a fucking loser in personal life, you know? So when people appreciate my art, 
I will fucking talk to them, give them whatever attention because, you know, it means the world to me. So, you know, there have been a few times when some younger kids are big fans of my music and I've been able to guide them away from that, you know, just Mm -hmm. because especially at that age, you know, you, you, you see all the gory stuff and misogyny and you take it literally, you know, but I've, I've been able to help them understand, uh, you know, what good shit is. Like I've actually turned, you know, some kids like when they're like around the 2016 election, you know, they'd be posting stuff and I'm like, Hey man, I know there's a lot of weird news out there, but you know, check out, uh, majority report or chapo trap house or pod damn america fucking they're reliable to get your news from or matt taibbi just because there's so much dumb shit out there and a lot of the time fucking they've stuck with it and uh it's helped them you know view the world through that lens yeah i always think about how like because some, sometimes on the left people want to like go no we're gonna not do that we're gonna like make this a better space and like cleanse this world of all this angry aggressive shit or whatever but i think like so many of those guys are young and they're on like a path where they're like angry at the correct thing to be angry at but like have one of two two ways you know there's like a which way western man kind of fork in the road thing going on and like we need to be accommodating on some level to to angry young dudes because they're like living in you know, this huge alienation and stuff like that, and, like... Yeah, we live in the most alienating society in human fucking history. Capitalism has humiliated and castrated us to be... a And why... I don't know why, as a movement, we've distanced ourselves from transgression. Because, man, you have so many young men, women, whatever who just feel humiliated and pointless because capitalism has taken away their hopes for any sort of future at a career or or even fucking breathing oxygen, oxygen on this earth, you know? So for us to not try and be accommodating to those type of people with transgressive art, I think is one of the dumbest fucking things on earth. And I think that people can really fuck up with some of the, uh, uh, you know, identity politics type stuff. Uh, and because it scares off a lot of people who otherwise would be into it, you know, uh, there's, you, you can, you can get, you can reach a lot of people by tapping into a transgressive nerve, you know? Yeah. Right. And there's always the possibility that it'll be misdirected. Like I, I, this is one of the, I think it was, was a tweet that, really annoyed me but people were like well rage against the machine uh they had good politics but they may as well not have because so many people just heard them and thought they were angry and that was it and you know paul ryan and people like that listen to rage against the machine it's like that's the risk of putting anything out there into the world that people might misconstrue it or take it or not completely have the same uh vantage point you do but there, for every you know paul ryan there are a lot of kids who Learn about history from Rage Against the Machine. You know, hearing that on mainstream media, uh, radio as a kid was like a very big deal um, and did guide a lot of people's politics. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, man, System of a Down. Um, like, I, I remember, and this is always just burned in my memory, their album Toxicity. Just, I was so fascinated. Of all by shit. It. Of all shit. <laughs> Sorry. 
but that taught, I mean, that taught me about the prison system, which later in my life I would come to know very well. I, I currently know very well. But uh, it led me to research about, you know, uh, the prison system and fucking uh, the Armenian genocide, stuff like that. Dead Kennedys got me to learn. I mean, Dead Kennedys were probably a huge part of my leftist politics, you know, before I even understood that I was a leftist, you know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. We, we as, as a movement, we really need to... Uh, allow transgressive music back into leftism you know it's it, it it's just from an organizing standpoint it's silly not to well it's like you've got angry young people and they they want they they want to transgress they want to fucking like figuratively fight something and they're chomping to the bit to do it and i think your job is to go yes, good, here's the thing that will actually help you to fight against as opposed to, like, this other thing over here that's more of a grift, you know? But, like, the, the point is not to get rid of the anger altogether. Like, th that is a big idpole thing that's really annoying. It's just like, we're just gonna be, you know, peaceful or whatever. And it's like, nah, man, history moves because of people who, you know, feel anger and stuff like that, and uh, rightfully so, and then actually collectively identify the thing to, to push against, you know? Oh, yeah. And most ID poll people are all bark, no bite. They, I guarantee, like, most of them live on a fucking college campus. They've never spent time with a black person in their goddamn life. Fucking, and it's all just this uh, LARP that they do for attention and for clicks. You know, it's, it's not, politics is about, and, and I, Michael Brooks was really passionate about this, and he was, that man was hugely um, influential in my life, you know, and you need to never forget that politics is about real world helping people. You know, this isn't some fucking game where, you know, uh, ooh, we, we made a, a new uh, subsect at the DSA meeting. Well, we lost 10 people, but hey, at least we're more inclusive now. No. You're fucking weighing down a movement that's meant to help the working class. All of us that are struggling, that have been hungry as children, not known where to sleep at night. You know, when, when you turn off people from these politics, from working class unity, you hurt those people. And so I just, I want people to never forget that and always rest in peace. Michael Brooks. You'll always be loved and missed. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get that passionate. No, it happens, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I don't know. I'm not so much somebody that really, like, believes in that story about how the construction worker got up and left a fucking DSA meeting because he heard pronouns were happening. I'm more like... There is room for everyone in all of this, um, including like us, and uh, including you know people that use pronouns and stuff like that. I just don't think that things conflict oh, yeah. with each other as much as we like to admit. But that's a, this argument goes from both sides. Like some people are trying to keep you know hilarious shitheads like us out of the left, and then some people are trying to keep uh, people that are really up on 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 the good side of identity politics out of the left. And uh, you know, I think it's all of these things have a place. Exactly. Right. The the only people that I don't think have a place are cops, chomos, and rich people. 
And a lot of the time, those intersect. You know? <laughs> uh, never forget, Epstein didn't kill himself. Also, he probably didn't die, if you think about it. But, uh, what do you have against yeah, Cholos? Side note. Oh, no, Chomos. Chomos. That means oh, child molester. Uh, yes, oh, okay. Child slang. It's not, a ch- yeah. it's not Cholo. I it's not the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> I just do a 180 and like, by the way, I'm racist. You funny, Anders just goes to Southern California. He's like, what's up, Chomos? <laughs> a bunch of... <laughs> <laughs> a bunch of, bunch of dudes. Yeah, I hadn't heard that acronym. I guess. I guess that means because I'm really not one, so I wouldn't even. Yeah. Well, so it, it it's kind of a West Coast thing too, from what I what I've heard. But I think it's also a prison thing. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely jail. But um, that's what yeah. they would yell at uh, Subway Jared when he went to prison. <laughs> yeah, can we? I, I was just thinking about this last night. Can we just all reflect on the fact that Subway mind controlled us into thinking that fast food was healthy all by showing us video yeah. of an obese child molester getting less <laughs> fat? Like, isn't that kind of crazy? Right. Yeah. I mean, in retrospect, because I, I don't remember really that much Subway before Jared. I think my only association with it was Coneheads. But. Oh, they yeah. got uh this dude who was massive, and I guess it makes sense that if you're eating, you know, three pizzas and a bucket of chicken every day and you go down to, like, three subs, you're going to lose weight. It's still not good for you, but that the logic exactly. just computed as everybody was like, yeah, these this fucking meatball grinder is going to, you know, and this, this sugar-based mustard is really going to exactly well. when when at the at the bottom of the screen too it said every meal he ate was a, a six inch cold cut no mayo no sauce and veggies you know uh, which is like okay yeah i see no one ever wears that so then you just see like i had a obese family member who just eat chicken teriyaki three times a day and it was kind of depressing you know and just get fatter but it's like well i'm on work. a diet yeah, and that's dude. Capitalism uh, literally will fucking poison us, murder yeah. us just for a dime. You know, yeah. it, it's it really is sickening once you think about it. Well, Subway is sickening once you think about it. Also, it's not a good restaurant. Oh, yeah. I never. <laughs> yeah, no, it. the food is the food is just terrible. <laughs> the place has a very specific smell that I can't really deal with. Um, so, for real, you can't get rid of that. I, I worked there once in high school. And fucking, uh, the smell of that bread it has a little chemical in it that you just, it, it sticks to you. I don't know how else to describe it. Nothing else in the world smells like it. It, it might have been Jared from Subway's Cum or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the mayo. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's what the mayo is. <laughs> tell, uh, tell us about the new album, the one that's coming out later this year. So, uh, this one's called Meat. It's going to be coming out on uh, Coyote Records, which is one of the best Brutal Death labels out in Europe. They're based out of Russia. Um, we're uh, going to have a um, collaboration track with uh, this really amazing um, kind of electronic music producer called Phones, F-O-A-N-S. I actually grew up with him. Um, we went to high school together. We were just both, it was an alternative school. We were both 
ex- tremendous shitheads. We we almost got expelled from alternative school just for annoying the teachers so much. But we're the only two kids from our school who ever actually did anything with our music. So we're going to do a collaboration finally. His music's worth checking out if you like uh, electronic music. He's on some Spotify editors playlists and stuff. Cool. F O A N S. But our stuff, um, I'm going to send you guys a uh, track or two to play if you'd like. Um, with this album, I'm really mixing it up kind of. I, I've always had a real influence by hardcore music. You know, I'm way more of a hardcore kid at heart than a metalhead. Um, but this album, you know, has a lot of groove to it, uh, a lot more intricate writing, incredibly heavy, and um, I'm adding a lot more vocal range than the last one, um, and actually putting effort into the lyrics. I'm actually pretty proud of these ones. Um, I just wrote... You to do this song about mind control called throbbing obelisk uh mm-hmm. like capitalist mind control oh, cool. so the lyrics are uh buzzwords frequencies flashing lights ancient symbols penetrate our minds repeating phrases to hypnotize our telescreens govern our lives gluttonous media consumption slowly making us inhuman cognitive abilities weakened beyond recognition mindless consumers trained like dogs by computers Hate-filled and stupid, we've become useless. Desperately point our fingers at those we should unite with. Our masters just get richer, laughing as they divide us. And uh, that song is going to have guest vocals by my friend Neto uh, out of Las Vegas. He's been in the band Mental Prison, and he just uh, got into uh, Cold Existence, which is like a legendary Las Vegas hardcore band. Um, so it'll be really awesome to have him on the track. Check out Mental Prison, check out Cold Existence. They rule too. Cool. Cool. I'm in Vegas right now next to an obelisk. That's really weird. I can check out all that shit. Um, Vegas is filled with symbolism, man. I know with the Luxor, it's super weird. I'm getting really fucked up and like showing people the back of a dollar bill in the casino and just going, Do you ever think about it? Do you ever think about it? <laughs> We're inside of it. Have you noticed about the. One is Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, shut the fuck up. <laughs> um, so, so, Ty- Tyler, are you new to the band? Is that what I heard? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm actually uh, one of the newest members. Um, How'd you get roped in? I'm sorry, what was that? How'd you get roped into it? Oh, uh, me and James, have, you know, we've gone back. Uh, we um, we had a couple bands. Well, he was in his last band, uh, Short fuse, and I was in a band called Calfu, and um, I, like I think what, like two two years ago now or so, we put out a split together with those bands, and you know we played out in Vegas together. So we've we've kind of worked together in the past, and then I recently moved up here to Denver, like about a year ago or so, and we started working together. And he was like, "Yeah, man, like I, we need members for this," and I'm like, "Dude, I've always liked them. Correct me, I'm down. Count me in, man." <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah oh. Just kind of everything worked out. I remember Short Fuse. Now that was a that was a reference to cops, which I thought was really funny and really fucking metal. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. That's what that was, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, and today's actually uh, the anniversary of uh, us getting hit by that drunk driver and killing our tour manager, uh, R.I.P. Colin Darkly. Oh, man, I um, remember that. Fuck. I'm yeah. so sorry, man. Uh, I, I appreciate it, brother. Pour one out for him. Just, uh, just people remember, like, seriously, and I, I'm saying this as a guy with three DUIs. It took me a long time to learn, but... Like, literally, guys, it's so not fucking worth it. You can ruin somebody's loved one's lives, you know? Drive drunk? Yeah. 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 And, like, the the amount of people that this woman hurt by hitting us on tour, um, it's it's kind of astonishing, you know? Um, It's a good thing she got eight years. I'm not really into imprisoning people, but... I also don't know what else he should have done with her because it's a pretty vile thing to do. I but. say get, get yourself a car that you can sleep in, man. I do it all the time if I'm too fucked up somewhere and I'm like, oh, shit, I can't get a car or something. Just sleep in the back of the fucking car. Who cares? Yeah, for right, Exactly. It's better than the alternative for sure. Yeah. Or bike drunk. The only person you can really kill is yourself. <laughs> so you can actually get a DUI doing that out here in Denver. I, I I met a guy who he got his fourth DUI on a bike. He had to go to prison for two years for that. That's bogus. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. In yeah. Texas, you get a DUI. I would not on a recommend horse. driving drunk in Jefferson County. Uh, just heads up to everybody in the world. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Um. Well, thanks for talking to us, guys. Uh, plug everything again, man. Let my listeners know uh, how to find you and everything, where to get the records when they're out and stuff. All right, so um, follow us on Instagram, at nephrectomyofficial. Um, you can follow my personal Instagram, at lchapogonzo. Um, and then we have all of our music, as well as like all the demos, everything I've done over the years. Um, on a band camp called Violent Defiant 224.bandcamp.com. Um, I'll send Jake the link to that. Um, be on the lookout for our next full length meet coming out, uh, later this year. Um, and then next month, our first full length geriatric coprophilia is getting re-released on Morbid Generation, Morbid Generation Records out of Germany. Um, and, uh, our reunion show is going to be November 27th at Trailside Saloon, uh, opening for Fox Lake. I'd get those tickets early. It is an intimate venue. Fox Lake is fucking amazing. Honored to be on that show. It is going to sell out. So if you want to see us, buy tickets the moment you can. Cool. All right. Up. Thanks, y'all. Uh, looking forward to listening to all that when it comes out, man, and uh, uh, buying a printout of the album cover of Geriatric Copperphilia and framing it and hanging it in my house. Probably in the bedroom. <laughs> For real. Thank you, bro. And uh, I always appreciate you having me on. Um, fucking, I will send you guys merch when we get it. Oh, I hope to work with you guys in the future. Yeah, it's uh, always loved to sh- been a fan of the show since day one. Uh, oh. always good to hang with Jake whenever he's coming through Denver. And so. what's the name of that, uh, head shop again? 
Uh, purple greens. Purple greens in Denver. Right. Yeah, off Colfax and Wadsworth. Yeah, you can uh, if you Google it right now, you can you can call the store number and uh, I could set you up with a kilo, man. Awesome. We have amazing shit. We just got this new strain in called Greenhorn, and it is great. Oh, I like Greenhorn. Anders is going to be flying it like the guy from Blow and Little Cessna <laughs> across the well, country. Yeah. I made a new pal. That may happen with the uh, FDA. We'll see. Is that, is that West Colfax? Yes, sir. Oh. West Colfax brutality, baby. Anybody in the know knows that's that means you're... That means you're in the good side of town if you're trying to get <laughs> something like yeah, that. I have, I, yeah, I have to wrestle fentanyl zombies every day to get to work. <laughs> it's it's exciting. It's invigorating. The sad part is that I know ha- about half of them, and I've gotten high with about a quarter of them. But, you know. <laughs> yeah, man. It's a living. All right, well, dude, all the feelings are mutual. Always love your music and your shit, man. Always good to hang out. Uh, and Tyler, great to meet you. I think he's dealing with a customer, but thank you guys so much. <laughs> Have a good day, brothers. Yeah, right. you too. Take rock on. Rock oh, yeah, rock on, on guys. Says <laughs> Anders, rock on. <laughs> All right. All right. Okay, wow, that was disgusting. Oh, I <laughs> threw up everywhere listening to him talk about the album art for geriatric coprophilia. Um, and now I feel better after I've thrown up. You know how you do? All right. <sighs> All right. Um, let's do plugs and get out of here. What do we have? At Andersley here on Twitter. There's only one Instagram. Redacted tonight. YouTube and Portable.tv. And uh, please come if you're in New York City. Or even if you're not in New York City, you can make your way to New York City for the big... Uh, if you're coming for 9-11 weekend. Um, sure <laughs> stop on nine ten at seven p.m. at Caveat NYC on the Lower East Side to check out yours truly, Goddamn America, doing a live show. That's right. Um, if you're coming to New York for nine eleven weekend, for that you might want to check out the show where we are making fun of the tragedy that our nation experienced. Um, it's been enough time. Ever, what, a couple of people have been it's, like... Well, we're going to you know, count down to when 9-11 is officially funny. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, yeah, come on out. All the stars will be there. We're having a 9-11 Eve ball. Like, uh, you know, like we're a fancy show with... Uh, I'm going to wear my tuxedo, I think. <laughs> um... Might be the last last live show we do. It's this coming fucking Friday. If you're in New York City, get tickets in advance because they're cheaper in advance. Or if you're not in New York City, you can watch streaming because the Caveat Theater does that. Caveat, it's just called. I keep calling it the Caveat. You can keep calling me boomers or a boomer. Uh, Fair. Why is it the last live show we'll do? I just have this impending scary feeling about COVID. Maybe it's not. Ah. Okay. Not only do I think COVID is coming, I think we're all going to die. Could happen. It could happen. Or maybe we'll just do another show in the spring. Who knows? Um, anyway, yeah. we're. If you can't tell by listening to us, we are plugging the shit out of our live show by talking about it over and over and over again to make it apparent that it is happening and you should come to it. So please, come to our live show. We also have merch for sale. 
We also have a Patreon where you can listen to bonus episodes of the show and support the show and go on our Discord. And also, I think that's it. I think I don't have anything left to plug until question mark. Something might happen in October. I'm not sure. Okay. Um, I think that's it. All right. It's finished. It's finished. 